This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. Blue Wire. With the second pick in the 2017 NFL Draft, the Chicago Bears select Mitchell Trubisky. Trubisky stepping up, fires down the sideline, Robinson makes the catch. From the Raiders to the Bears, Khalil Mack, now officially in Chicago. Brought down, Khalil Mack. Welcome to the Chicago Shuffle Podcast on Sunday, December 11th. Not even close. December 13th. Look, it's a pandemic. I can't remember what day it is. What I can remember, unless it was a fever dream, uh, is that the Chicago Bears just destroyed the Houston Texans at home to the tune of 36-7, to ending a six-game losing streak. I almost don't remember what it feels like to have the Bears win a football game. But here we are. It is a beautiful, rainy, cold Sunday afternoon. It's about an hour after the game. I wanted to take a few minutes just to collect my thoughts uh, so that I knew how to approach really good news uh, and a really great performance by all three phases of the Bears team. So uh, I'm going to be doing it solo today. The Bears won, and Ricky uh, O'Donnell, who usually comes on just to join and chat about the things that have gone wrong, didn't want to mess with his, I believe it's a nine-pod losing streak. So uh, he won't be here today. It's up to me to kind of banter into the wind and drink water uh, all along the way. So these little pauses are just going to have to be part of it for you. Ah. That's victory water. I've got a a nice little jar of victory water here. So uh, let's kind of get into this. Look, I'll be honest. I did not see this coming. I didn't see anything close to this coming. What I thought was going to happen was the FU game by Deshaun Watson, where he would come in and show everyone what we already know, which is that he should have been the Bears draft pick back in 2017, and I figured that Mitch would fill a diaper in one way or another, and we would all be sad, and I would be on this podcast talking about all the things that have gone wrong, and that everybody from Trubisky up to Nagy and Ryan Pace and Ted Phillips, and for God's sake, the McCaskey family all needed to be fired, removed, uh, or being forced to uh, sell the team. That's kind of what I had in store, and instead... Um, the Bears put up 30 in the first half, which 
sounds like a typo. It's not even typed. It's words out into space. It's a typo. It's a wordo. No, edit that out later. That's terrible. Either way, um, what can you say about the Bears who uh, start the game on defense and pretty quickly Deshaun Watson and the Texans offense is sort of slowly matriculating the ball down the field. I can feel myself expecting a very um, methodical march towards the end zone for the Texans and a lot of bad thoughts. Just going to be honest, a lot of negativity right off the bat, and yet they force a, a stop, force a punt, the Bears get the ball, and the first play from scrimmage is an 80-yard David Montgomery touchdown, and he ran away from uh, a defender. There was a trailing defender who kind of got picked off on a block by Allen Robinson, but look, it is positive Sunday. David Montgomery outran the defense to pay dirt, and um, that had always been the knock against him. Uh, coming out of uh, Iowa State, his you know early time in the league, which was uh, really, really good at being um, difficult to tackle and elusive and fighting for extra yards and falling forward, all the things you'd want in a running back and in, in a modern NFL running back, seeing as that how he's a pass catcher as well. But he didn't have that top gear, and that's why he fell to the third round. Well, um, whether he's been working on it or the Texans don't have very strong secondary pursuit, what have you, uh, to, to begin the game in that way, and I think I saw four straight naggy booms on the sideline, sort of um, just took me out of my chair. And so it's seven to nothing. Okay, we'll just kind of see how things go. And immediately, defense is right in there. Uh, I They showed up in ways we haven't seen before. And frankly, it didn't take long for the body language of the Houston Texans to look like Bears' body language of the last six weeks. Um, let's just kind of take this uh, by its constituent parts. So let's start with the defense because there's a lot to talk about for the offense. And then there's going to be this part afterwards, and I will just get ahead of it, speak honestly and openly about it, which is how much does any of this matter? that the Bears won this game in the way that they did. What does that mean going forward? Does it matter for the grand scheme of all the conversations we've been having about who this franchise is and what inflection point they're at and what decisions they should be making in the offseason? Let's save all that for the end. Right now, let's just talk about a game, a game that went well and all the statistics that went with it. So on defense, uh, you sort of have to be thrilled that a defense that's been, um, look, all year long in the run game has been really, really loose, has been giving up huge runs left, right, and center, uh, sort of giving teams whatever they want, has played extremely passive in coverage to the tune of uh, a lot of criticism going the way of defensive coordinator Chuck Pagano, and then not sacking the quarterback, not creating pressure in any way, shape, or form. And a lot of guys have been nicked up. Khalil Mack, chief amongst them. Akeem Hicks has missed a couple games. And now we have, um, in this game, Jalen Johnson hurt his shoulder. I don't know that it's a surgically repaired shoulder, but uh, the guess is that it is and that he was questionable to, re to return and did not return. So that bears watching going forward. But uh, no buster screen today. He was in concussion protocol. So, you know, uh, a little bit nicked up on, on defense and in the sort of way where if you were looking for excuses, there would be a few in hand. And yet, uh, 
the Bears uh, absolutely dominated Deshaun Watson and the Texans' offense today, which I have to tell you, no one else has been doing, uh, even with Will Fuller out, even with uh, you know the lack of continuity with the coaching change and everything else. Deshaun Watson, for the last five to six weeks, has been one of the three best quarterbacks in football and had been putting it up on really good defenses. So uh, seven sacks is the number for the Bears today and six tackles for loss. Look, obviously, you know, the the game script went a certain direction when the Bears jumped out to a lead, but you have to give them credit. Deshaun Watson was under duress all day. He was hit 11 times to the point of gross negligence on the part of the Houston coaching staff to even put him in later on in the game, especially after he was knocked out for a few plays uh, when the Texans were in goal-to-go situation and he hit his elbow on Roquan Smith's helmet. Um the Bears were in his face all day, and you've got uh, Khalil Mack with a strip sack fumble recovery. You've got uh, Bilal Nichols with another splash play early, another sack. He looks like a uh, cornerstone for the future. That's, a, that's another fifth-round pick that's ended up turning out very well for the Bears. What was once a really nice depth pick for the defensive line, I think you look at Eddie Goldman and as – so, like, in terms of – you know, the, again, this, this is a 3-4 defense. So just talking about defensive linemen, not talking about outside linebackers, you've got you've got uh, Akeem Hicks, who's prime post-prime, who now is going into the last year of his deal next year, has been nicked up a little bit, but is still a dominant force and arguably the best defender that the Bears have when healthy. So critical to the defense. It remains to be seen what's done with him, especially given the state of the franchise and what they need to do with their salary cap, et cetera, et cetera. And then in the middle of all that, you have Eddie Goldman, who's right in the middle of his prime. I know we forget him a little bit because he uh, isn't playing this year, but he's a critical part of the Bears' defense, especially as it pertains to run defense, uh, and is still under contract, I'd like to say, for two more years, right in the middle of his prime. And then you have this young up-and-comer, Bilal Nichols, who I believe has one more year on his rookie deal, and then it'll be time to extend him. And so the Bears are going to need depth uh, coming up this offseason, and I think they've done good with that in the past to sign guys like, we'll just say it, Mario Edwards Jr., who had two sacks today and two tackles for loss, two quarterback hits as well. That dude has been an absolute find this year, and it sort of brings into question how the Bears went about finding pass rush help, where they blew a, a huge chunk of money on Robert Quinn, who I know is a punching bag. By the way, uh, Robert Quinn, no appearance in the box score once again, no effect on the game. I think 14 weeks into his first season, we have to start using the bust word. And uh, there have been a few picks, not picks, uh, signings that um, Ryan Pace has made over the years that have reeked in this way where they never really started out in any sort of good way and uh, never recovered. So rather than spending, I believe it's a five-year, $70 million deal on Robert Quinn, you could have done what they've done with other parts of the roster, which is sign guys like Mario Edwards Jr., sign guys like, um, oh, shoot, uh, Barkevius Mingo, who's been a really nice uh, addition, a depth addition. If you just thrown all that money at having uh, a very, very extensive deep rotation 
of situational pass rushers and just running guys out there on like almost like a track meet kind of situation, just throwing fresh bodies out, uh, play in, play out, and letting guys like Akeem Hicks and Khalil Mack be the bellwethers of that defense. It seems to me that it would have been a better way to spend money. But uh, for one game, you know, say what you will about the Texans' offensive line, uh, which I think has talent. Um, the Bears absolutely dominated them. So uh, the only kind of nicks you could make against it, uh, they, there was a pick that Eddie Jackson had right in his hands, thrown directly to him, and he just dropped it. Still zero picks on the air for Eddie Jackson. Whether it's a, a situation where he's been misused this year or uh, hasn't played up to his standards, he's still been good. He's still been solid in coverage. He's still made some good plays. Definitely still has issues with tackling, but that's nothing new. But those pop plays that he was so famous for in 2018 just really haven't come. And so you wonder what's going to happen with that. As mentioned before, the injury to Jalen Johnson. I think Duke Shelley in uh, relief of Buster Screen represented himself well today, played well, uh, didn't give up anything crazy. If I were the Texans, I would have tried to pick on him a lot. And if they did, it didn't show because um, I've seen Buster Screen get picked on quite a bit by other teams in previous weeks, and that was apparent from the jump. So uh, overall, really a tremendous performance from the Bears' uh, defense, one we've been looking for for the last few weeks, wondering if the Bears were sort of giving up on the season. And after six straight losses, after – the absolute meltdown against Detroit last week, you wouldn't have blamed them for starting to pack it in. And so uh, for the character of the guys in the locker room, uh, for their professionalism, and for the performance they put on today, with no fans in the stadium and very little to play for, an outside chance at the playoffs, credit where credit's due. The Bears absolutely crushed on defense today. And uh, I guess we'll get to the offense, but first, you need to listen to advertising. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world, with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly, so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. visiting Indeed each month. 73% of job, okay. Uh, according to Comscore, total visits. So it's clear Indeed can help get you the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Okay. The offense. You've been waiting for this, right? Guys, it it was wonderful. It was wonderful. Uh, first of all, 
David Montgomery streaking for a touchdown right off the bat just to set the tone and to let you know that, you know, what we've seen in the last few weeks, I don't know exactly what it is, what the special sauce of Mitch Trubisky playing quarterback and what that does to unlock pieces of the running game is. Maybe it's correlation and not causation, given that uh, Mitch coming back also corresponds with the offensive line getting back somewhat healthy and also being reshuffled with Sam Mustafer at center, Cody Whitehair at guard. Um, Fady kicking inside, that sort of thing. You just wonder how much Mitch has to do with it. But I will say that, you know, uh, it, it still seems like he's not willing to run in ways that he previously was, but he did do it a little bit today. The stats show four rushes for 23 yards. Um, got a couple, mm, not first downs, but certainly shortened the sticks and made for manageable third down situations. Mitch finishes the day, and you could argue this is his best day as a Bear. Probably the Tampa Bay game will always will you know statistically be the one, but uh, that was such a fluke and such a bizarre day of just not being able to. Tampa Bay was so bad. That was the Dirk Cutter Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Six touchdowns, I know, but it was absurd. Mitch played a clean game. Uh, there were certainly a few plays left on the field, but he's 24-33 for 267, an 8.1 average, which if you look just like around the league at what other uh, top averages are, that's like a top five, top six uh, average per play. Three touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, he took a couple sacks where you're like, ah, man, I you could have gotten that ball out. But I mean, you're sort of nitpicking here. Look, he did not throw the oh my God shit throw, which... You could book on a good Mitch day right about the time you're starting to say, Mitch, he looks good. Uh, It just wasn't there. It wasn't there at all. And uh, I am as shocked as anybody. I'm as thrilled to report it as anybody. Merry Christmas to me. Merry Christmas to you. Mitch was really, really good. Beyond that, there were a few plays where he had pressure in his face and you know, not every one of these got completed, but he was able to like sidearm the ball out in ways that I actually had never seen him do. Look, he was poised. The The team was generally in a good position in terms of managing the clock, getting plays in and out, um, getting guys, you know, aligned where they needed to be. There weren't a lot of misalignments, false starts, that sort of thing. The only issues I saw with that were coming out of timeouts where Negi had called up uh, a very fancy play and then they got uh, an illegal motion on the play. So uh, Mitch had his best game as a bear, arguably. And, of course, some of that was predicated on the run. It was also predicated on the Houston defense being god-awful. J.J. Watt looked like he was going to absolutely explode on the sidelines. Uh, it almost made you feel bad for the guy. It, you know that it's coming to the end of his dominance, and the team that he plays for is just a really – uh, bad football team, at least on that side of the football. But um, look, the Bears, in terms of the play calling, in terms of the mix, here are the things that I was looking at after the game. It was just like, where has this been all year? First of which is 11 targets for tight ends. Uh, that's seven for Komet, four for Jimmy Graham. Jimmy goes four for four for 23 yards. He gets one of those box-out red zone touchdowns, which why has that not been... Part of the mix more often. It's the only thing that he can do well. And then Cole Komet looks good, man. I mean, I understand that uh, he made a couple of mistakes and 
uh, a couple glaring ones as a rookie might, but he's a weapon. He's a weapon in the play action game. Uh, he allows the running game to get off. He made a key block on uh, David Montgomery's breakout run early in the game. Finishes four for 41. And then, you know, it's Mitch loves to throw to Allen Robinson. I don't know what happens next year, well, given that probably both of them play for other teams. Wouldn't it be hilarious? <laughs> Wouldn't it be hilarious? Excuse me, Victory Water. <sighs> mm, tastes like a W. Wouldn't it be hilarious if Allen Robinson left the Bears in the offseason? That part's not hilarious. Signs on, let's say it's a really, you know, it's a good team with a good quarterback. Let's, let's, um, what the hell? Let's put him on the Texans. So he signs with the Texans. He's going to play with Deshaun Watson. And then after he signs, Mitch Trubisky signs a one-year deal as a backup quarterback to, you know, renew his value around the league. Watson, and again, I'll never wish injuries on anybody. So let's say Watson, you know, gets injured for a couple of weeks and Allen Robinson has Mitch throwing to him again. I just think that would be hilarious. But as it was, 13 targets for Allen, 9 for a buck 23. That's going to be over 100 catches on the year, over 1,000 yards. Look, that's really, really something in Chicago. It, it's one of – I think he's one of four receivers ever to do that uh, in a Bears uniform. It, it's like saying um, – I don't know. It's like saying the Chargers have good special teams, or uh, that 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 the the Patriots don't know how to line up and and don't have good coaching. It's just the sort of thing that like doesn't happen in Chicago. Is having a really successful and prolific uh, wide receiver of any sort. It happens once once in a an era of Bears, and Allen Robinson is the guy. So just a fantastic uh, game from him overall. Contested catch. Uh, late in the second quarter to extend a drive and to get the Bears in a position to get six when any other time this year that we would have been lucky to get three, if anything at all. And uh, and then to finish the half, the Bears look for him in the red zone. He comes open. It's an easy pitch and catch. Again, you just wonder where some of these things have been all year because it looked so easy at various times during the game. Uh, the rest of the spread, look, this is sort of how this needs to look. Just look at the box score, and I we've had these conversations. Me and Ricky, uh, other guests that we've had on, me with friends just offline, about like what the offensive mix and what the skill position mix should look like if the Bears were actually able to find some rhythm. And so, like, 13 targets to Robinson, uh, 11 to tight ends, four catches for David Montgomery. Excuse me, three catches on four targets for Montgomery. He, again... You're looking for bright spots going forward. David Montgomery has now popped multiple weeks in a row. He looks like a keeper. You you have to think that, you know, when you get Tariq back next year, David Montgomery, Tariq Cohen, and player X, uh, late sixth, seventh round draft pick, athletic guy X, um, or one year free agent for very little money X just to round out the depth of that group and give them another another look, another person who can fit in. Uh, you have to like the way that looks. And and there was a lot of concern from myself, from others, from national writers, regional writers, that David Montgomery might not be the guy. It seems it's much more clear now that that was an issue of blocking and that Montgomery, given an opportunity to run uh, through actual running lanes and not dodging guys in the backfield, is a above-average NFL running back. Um, 
with still a little bit of upside, and that has to feel good. And then the rest of the mix, Darnell Mooney, two two catches on two targets for 22 yards. He did get a touchdown, although I can't believe that the NFL didn't wipe that one away. It didn't look like one to me, but who am I? And then kind of a bummer, Anthony Miller is sort of legislated out of this offense, and you can't blame the Bears for him being that far down the depth chart when it comes to targets. Two catches, 16 yards. He was the Bears' uh, punt returner today now that they're on their, I think, fourth of the year, fifth, excuse me, victory water. Ah, tastes like a W. Uh, yeah, look, he looks good as a punt returner. He's shifty. He's fast. He did bobble his first one just a little bit, uh, and there's always those concerns with ball security. But perhaps the Bears were trying not to overload him by uh, not giving him too much in addition to his punt return duties. But frankly, since Tariq went out, Anthony Miller looks like a wonderful, wonderful solution at the punt return position. I don't know why they keep trying to sign these other guys. Uh, again, ball security may be an issue or a desire to use Anthony Miller in you know as a core offensive player, but look, he's not in for all the snaps. He, he's not. So it's got to be ball security because as I see it, he's pretty dynamic back there. Either way, for him to f- have fallen this far down the depth chart, given what the Bears expected from him, what they hoped from him, um, it's a little bit disappointing. And then, uh, you know, Cordero Patterson had a pass thrown to him, but I don't mind one of those a game, or even two, but just not having him be one of the featured offensive performers is really great. So the Bears go into halftime up, score a late touchdown, uh, I mean, right right at the death, uh, at the end of the first half, to go up 30-7, to seven. and at that point, the game is largely in hand. You, you have, I think, 320 yards of offense at that point, which is an insane number for the Bears. That's good for an entire game for uh, for most decent Bears performances. And the Bears are getting the ball go- coming into the, the third quarter. And now, I want to be very clear that I did not uh, think the game was over. I wanted to see a third quarter Bears drive. I wanted to see what they would do in the second half. I, I just had you know, uh, call it a reflexive premonition, but the feeling that, uh, you know, the Bears kind of run from success would be the way I put it. Just, they don't seem to like really thrive. It always seems like a team's coming back at them whenever they make a good play or two. So I wanted to see if on the day when they were playing their best football of the year, by far, that they would come out in the third quarter when they would be getting the ball and then move the ball down the field. So uh, they come out, and honestly, moving the ball, fine. Uh, The first two plays are throws to the tight ends, convert for a first down. Then you get that wonderful, uh, I mean, it's just a slant to Allen Robinson, but he's so slippery. He slips the tackle of the safety, and he's off to the races for 35, flips the field. Now you're in field goal range. Uh, You get a... A Cordero Patterson, you know, off left tackle sweep, and he gets 14 yards, and the Bears are in business. Bop, brr, nope. Charles Leno holding left tackle. Take it back 10. I can't wait for a new left tackle for the Bears uh, this offseason. I, I will say that I think 
that is the position they need to upgrade the most on the offensive line is left tackle. You could argue Bobby Massey, perhaps. You could argue right guard, perhaps. But for me, look, Charles Leno has, for his draft position, for his steadiness over the years, needs to be commended. And I don't think he's a bad football player. But those critical holds, and I'd be curious to look up. I could do some typey-typey while I try to talk to you, but let me save you that trouble right now. I, I My guess is he's near the top of the league and holds once again, and he's just not a very physical football player. So running that direction is a real problem. The Bears don't run off left off the left edge very well very often. They did on this particular play with Cordell Patterson, but it necessitated a hold on Leno. So take from that what you will. And then on the very next play, so it's first and 20, the Bears are backed up. There goes the momentum. A false start in Alex Barr is one of two on the day with some, uh, he's not a rookie anymore, but some uh, early early veteran, uh, novice struggles. Uh, you know, I think overall the offensive line played a pretty good football game, but uh, just that sort of third quarter vibe from the Bears where they just, again, run from success. But uh, as it is, you know, Mitch has a little run for a couple yards. And then uh, a really, really great dump off on third and 20 to Montgomery, and he almost gets it. And the Bears just kind of acquiesce, and and Cairo Santos kicks a field goal. So, like, I know that doesn't seem like much to you guys, but a seven-play, 56-yard drive in the third quarter that ends with three points is a miracle in 2020. That That now brings the Bears up to 17 total points they've scored in the third quarter all year. And, um... Yeah, you can't say enough about what that means to the Bears going forward. And then on the next drive on defense, it's a 17-play, eight-and-a-half-minute drive for the Texans that ends on downs uh, in the shadow of the goal line as Deshaun Watson gets knocked out of the game by Roquan Smith on a vicious hit where Watson's arm going through for a pass, elbow hits the helmet and knocks his arm numb. They have to bring in the backup who takes a horrific fourth down sack and they turn the ball over. And at that point you just go, you know what? This this game's over. The bears, it, it would take a collapse of even beyond bears like pr- proportions for them to lose this game. Uh, and that was it. So somehow the bears scoring three points in the third quarter sealed it for me. That's where I was like, all right, if we can do this, we can kind of do anything. And now, I appreciate that, you know, all of this stuff is incredibly positive. I do want to point out a couple things as we look towards next week, as the Bears are going to play Minnesota for the right to miss out on the playoffs, be the last team out of the playoffs. For the In the Hunt Championship, who wants to be the top hunter? After halftime, and again, the Bears are running it up on one of the worst defenses in football. And they've played a lot of bad defenses this year and have run up absolutely bupkis. So let's not just say, oh, it's this opponent and, you know, it doesn't really matter. Look, they've played a lot of bad ones and done really, really poorly. So let's not do this thing where every time they play poorly, it's immediately all their fault and they're terrible and give no credit to the people they played. And then whenever they have success, just immediately point to the team they played and say, it's all their fault. Like, it doesn't really track, and it's probably not fun to listen to. So I'll just say this. In the second half, the Bears had 91 yards. 
after that field goal drive that was backed up by the the hold and the false start, it goes punt, field goal, punt, punt, end of game. David Montgomery, after beginning the game with one carry for 80 yards, had five carries for seven yards in the second half. He finishes with 11 for a buck 13, and that looks gaudy and beautiful. But if you make it 10 carries minus 80 yards, it's 10 carries for 33. And um, especially given the game script and the way things had gone, like, I don't know. I, I came into this podcast just ready to be like, Nagy can't stop it. Just run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. And then I went through the play-by-play, and it's just negative play, negative play, no gain. Like, there's really not a whole lot there. So it's kind of between a rock and a hard place. It feels like you should be pounding the rock with Montgomery sort of all the time, but he's not, you know, he's not Derrick Henry. He's not Dalvin Cook. He's not the sort of physical running back that makes guys give up uh, trying to tackle him. Meanwhile, the Bears still need to sustain drives. They're having good success with Allen Robinson, great success with the tight ends. You just go away from that altogether. Like if they just go super conservative and run it three times and punt, that's like that old lovey ball, and we would go nuts. We'd go nuts that, look, we're having all this success, and I understand you're up big, but like you're playing crazy conservative. The game's not over yet. Sort of like a no-win situation for them. Anyways, I just think it bears repeating that after halftime, and that little field goal drive, the Bears did diddly-poo. Diddly-poo. After the field goal drive, excuse me, I'm going to cough. I need victory water. <coughs> By the way, have you guys noticed that if you're out in public and you need to cough, you feel like you're going to be looked at uh, with like demonic glares as though you are uh, the AIDS monkey? Just me? Cool. Um, I've like held a cough for an hour and a half. I, I, I live alone. I work from home. I haven't been anywhere except being like outside on nature hikes with my dog, and I'm usually masked up for that. So I'd like to think that I don't have COVID, but for God's sake, uh, one cough it just feels like a dangerous thing to do. I don't want a scarlet letter on my uh, on my chest. Anywho, so the Bears have 56 yards on that field goal drive to begin the third quarter. Subtract that from the 91 they've got. Let's see what that is. Is that 40 yards, 45 yards, 35 yards? 35 yards? 35, 35 yards after that field goal drive. Look, that field goal drive ended with, well, the Texans had an eight-minute drive right after that. With 102 left in the third quarter, the Bears had 41 yards the, the rest of the game. And they did possess the, the ball. They did get one, two, three, four more drive, four more drives, 41 yards. You could say they're just running out the clock and running it conservative, blah, 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 but it's still remains the same that there are these opportunities the Bears have to sort of like salt away the clock, run long drives. You would think you'd be able to sustain long drives because the Texans don't want to be out there. They wanted a running clock. And yet the last three, the last two possessions are three and outs, three for three yards, three for negative three. So zero yards there. Um, It's just sort of not a good look. And it reminds you that this team um, when they put it together, th- we've seen these flashes the last few weeks of an offense that's kind of figuring it out a little bit, or at least there are glimpses of that, that it could just as easily go away and you could just as easily go back to a punt-a-thon. 
So I'm not trying to bring negativity into this or suggest that, you know, today wasn't a really, really good football game. Just sort of like that sense of don't forget to look at the totality of this, which is the game absolutely ran away in the first half and the Bears played a fantastic football game. Mitch was putting it on guys. He wasn't just kind of throwing it near them. There were accurate throws down the field. Hmm into the intermediate part of the field. He also avoided the rush to put uh, the ball where it needed to be and um, had a pretty good pocket, had decent protection from the offensive line. So these two groups that we've absolutely railed on the last, you know, few uh, months, months, it's been a few months, they played really well overall. Um, Now I kind of want to talk about the big picture part of this and it's really fun to talk about a, a victory Sunday and to have a club dub and to wonder where this has been all year. But now comes the conversation of like, how much does this matter? What does this mean? What should this affect, if anything, going forward? But first, you probably want to listen to this really fantastic ad that I did. The wait is finally over. Football is back. I mean, It's been back for a while, but now it's extra back. You might not be at a game this year, although you might. They just keep rolling them in there every week. There seems to be 2,000 more people sneaking in. But you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. Sorry, tangent. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. You can be like me, where you bet a four-team teaser and feel awesome about it and win the first three games, and then unknowingly, Aaron Rodgers shits the bed against the Buccaneers, and your teaser dies again, and you live to play another day. Head to Bet Online online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. So, the Bears are now 6-7. and seven. With Minnesota losing today, they are effectively in the hunt still for the seven seed. Uh, they're not, they don't have it. They're still, they're still going to need some help along the way. And they still have quite a few games left that, um, well, you could say, all right, they go to Minnesota next week. And obviously that is the, in the hunt bowl, as I mentioned, then you have the Jaguars who benched Mike Glennon today to bring in Gardner Minshew and don't want to win. They don't want to win. They are in the Trevor Lawrence, uh, sweepstakes. And if the Jets can just win one game, then they're going to be right there. The Jaguars will be right there. So I'm not going to suggest the Bears will win that game because every week we have to see what shows up. But it sure looks good. If the Bears can beat the Vikings to get to seven and seven, you have to feel good ish <laughs> about them beating the Jaguars to go to eight and seven. And then you have that game against the Packers on January 3rd to finish the season. Yeah. So what does this game mean? Mitch plays great. Um, The offense has a little bit of rhythm. The offensive play calling was really, really 
well-conceived for the most part, save for a couple little bugaboos. Look, the like the details were good. It didn't look as hard as it always seems to look for this team. It was a pretty good mix. The defense was strong, complimentary football, and special teams were really good. By the way, let's just take a quick pause. Pause button. Cairo Santos is unequivocally the Bears' field goal kicker. Like, this year, next year, and hopefully going forward. The dude is nails. Two more field goals today. No doubt about them. Um, The Bears have wandered into a wonderful kicking situation. And I've always felt this way about kicking in the NFL, which is it's almost like a golf swing. I play golf a lot, so half the analogies I make these days are about golf. Nevertheless, it's like either your swing is in a good place and the ball flies straight rather effortlessly, or you just cannot figure it out. And even though you know how to play and you've been playing it a long time and you've had a lot of success, it just doesn't matter. You're just completely out of sorts. And we saw that this year earlier this year with one of the best kickers of all time, uh, Guskowski for the Titans. And he seems to have worked through it. Excuse me, victory water. Oh God, that tastes good. Tastes like a W. Um, and then my God, the Vikings are going through it right now with Dan Bailey, who can't kick his own ass. If he tries, the man misses everything and they lost as a result today. I'd be surprised if Dan Bailey, uh, is in a Vikings uniform next week. They're probably going to have a, str- a guy off the street kicking for them. Um, so you got to feel good that the Bears have a solution at the position. And um, we hardly knew ye, Eddie Pinheiro. Can you, I mean, how that has to suck so much. Just the human part of this. So he, he gets, he's on the Raiders roster. He was in a good place, but then he hurt his groin. And so he wasn't the guy anymore. The Bears trade a conditional seventh for him, bring him over, and put him through, honestly, the most absurd and silly and sort of like, I don't know, it's almost like a PR stunt of a kicking competition. Like, what was that? Looking back now, you're just like, that was gross, man. That was gross. So many things were wrong with the team, but somehow we drafted David Montgomery and we held a circus, a kicking circus, and now this team is going to be this playoff team in 2019. That was the canary in the coal mine. I think I blame myself for not seeing more. What a silly, silly thing that was. Nevertheless, Eddie Pinheiro comes out on top somehow, you know, after all of this, is the Bears kicker uh, and then sort of cements himself in the position with the 52-yard game-winning kick against the Broncos in week two or three of 2019 and that's the dude we, we got him we got a guy he's gonna be the one he's good and they struggled a little bit midseason but he finishes strong and this year begins as him with him as the unquestioned kicker for this team he hurts his groin Cairo Santos formerly of the Kansas City Chiefs when Matt Nagy is there is healed and in a good place from his previous groin injury that took him off the Chiefs and now it's his job. He's fantastic. I, Since Robbie Gold, and it's been a minute, I haven't felt anywhere near this confident in a Bears kicker coming near the game. Now, I, I mean, I don't count the points already, but I feel damn good when he's lining up, whether it be a 30-yarder, 40-yarder, even all the way up to the long ones, like a 50-yarder absolute belief that he's in a place where he could put it through the uprights right now. So the bears found one there. And if, Oh, if this year it started differently, um, 
it, it could have been so different because you'd have uh, a good defense that uh, could play complementary football with a decent offense and a kicking game that would support all of that. You'd be right there in the playoff mix. So it's sort of here's where I want to start the conversation, and that is with Matt Nagy's quote after the game. It's not a bad quote. He didn't do anything bad. It's what you would say as a coach. But I hate it so much. The quote is, I think we're finally starting to create an identity. You're feeling it. You're seeing it on the scoreboard. Guys, it's week 14 of year three. It's week 14 of year three. How are we creating an identity now? It's such an indictment of this coaching staff that it's taken this long to understand what works with this personnel. It's not, I know it's meant to be a positive thing to say. I don't want to take it out of context. It's a press conference quote after a win. It says more about this team in a negative light than it does in a positive light, in my opinion. Uh, look, you can look at this in a number of different ways. When Mitch was benched in the Atlanta game, I was on this podcast saying, thank God. Thank God because it's over and I don't have to keep wishing and hoping on him improving or is he going to have a fourth quarter comeback that makes this all worth it? The pick he threw against Atlanta into coverage to the wrong receiver, missing an open Allen Robinson, giving up a near pick six, was so egregiously bad in read, in throwing decision, in ball placement, that I was done. If they'd cut him, I would have been fine with it. And yet, Nick Foles was so galactically bad because the offensive line sucked, because the play calling uh, mix wasn't very good, and they were never on the same page. It was weirdly adversarial between Nagy and Foles. And then sort of that the NFL has been shifting in the last two, three years, sort of like accelerating towards QBs that have to be able to run the football to have any sort of success whatsoever. And if you look at like the Matt Ryans of the world, um, you know, Drew Brees, he's still, obviously he hasn't played here for a little bit, but um, he's been able to be effective as a statue quarterback because he gets the ball out in like point zero 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 one seconds to Alvin Kamara. And they basically, you know, throw the like Alvin Kamara it's almost like a a forward handoff he forward handoffs to Kamara like 10 times a game so Breeze has figured it out where they just get the ball out super quick but any of these statuesque quarterbacks they're they just don't have a chance and meanwhile you look around at like the Kyler Murray's and the Lamar Jackson's um and to a lesser extent, you know, people like Aaron Rodgers who've always used their legs. The NFL is just now a league where uh, a dual threat quarterback seems to be the only way to find sustained success. And you say like, well, Patrick Mahomes isn't a running quarterback. No, but he is athletic and he can move in the pocket and throw from every angle, throw off platform, throw off schedule. And I think that's really what we're talking about here, which is the ability to extend a play, to get yards where you can with your legs, which Mahomes will do. 
and then the ability to deliver the football when on the run, like again, off platform, off schedule. That's kind of the way forward here for the NFL. It looks so much more like the college game than it ever has before. So the decision to bench Mitch and the thought that a higher floor is worth a lower ceiling, it seems like such a big miss now. And it's such a hindsighty criticism, sort of like regret it as I'm saying it. And yet, as soon as Mitch comes back in, mentioned this before, cor- correlation or causation, the, the running game unlocks a little bit. There's a little more rhythm to the offensive world. There's a little more of a spark to it. And you just wonder what it might have been like if he'd been in some of these games where the Bears couldn't do a thing on offense with Nick Foles. You just sort of wonder. The lost opportunities of this season will reverberate for years. And so, I don't know, how do you feel? Like for me, nice win, dope, really stoked, really stoked. I missed it. It's been six straight weeks, seven if you count the bye of no Bears wins. And so I'm not going to sit here and be mad about it. I could I could be that guy. I could be, you know, our draft pick and, you know, maybe they don't fire the guy now. Ah. Look, we're not going for the number one pick. It's going to be a mid first rounder no matter what. Um, I wanted some good news. I wanted to feel good about some of the guys on this team. You don't want to root for L's. It's just not a good look. But I will say that I am not all of a sudden thinking that the Bears shouldn't move on from Nagy and shouldn't move on from Ryan Pace and shouldn't move on from Ted Phillips. If the results of one game against a team that is objectively bad has fired their GM coach early in the season because they were absolutely at the at the bottom of the league – uh, yes, they have a good quarterback that was shut down. And yes, I expected Deshaun Watson to blow away the Bears today, given what's been happening. And yes, I expected Trubisky to look bad. I just expected the 2017 draft mistakes to play out in real time one more time and just rub it in. That's sort of like how this is all gone. But that it didn't play out that way on us on any given Sunday isn't enough to change what we've all seen the direction of this franchise for the last two plus years, which is there isn't really an identity to the offense. They don't have a good mix. The details are off. The scheme is off. The team doesn't seem aligned. Um, the roster is capped out and uh, is there's a lack of development up and down the roster. All these big picture things that we've said unequivocally are the case for the last few years does one game erase any of that? If you're sitting there, if if you're thinking, okay, we need to move on from Nagy at the end of this year and Ryan Pace bring a new voice into the building and you're willing to let an any given Sunday blowout win change that, please never be the manager of my football team. Please never be in a position to make these decisions. Just because this feels good doesn't mean it's a good thing. If mom and dad have been fighting for two years and then you have a nice dinner one night, that doesn't mean they're not getting divorced. It doesn't mean that uh, they're not going to be yelling at each other two hours later because one of them wants to watch one thing on Netflix and the other one wants to watch something on Amazon. It's a good moment. Just appreciate the moment as we move on to next week. They've got to play the Vikings. It'll be Uh, Maybe perhaps revenge against Kirk Cousins in Minnesota, which was such an eminently, eminently winnable game earlier this season. Perhaps the Bears can win that and get to uh, seven wins. Seven wins? Eight wins. What the hell? Am I in a fever dream? Seven wins. 
maybe they can win that. Oh, that's right, Jacksonville. Maybe they can win that, and then there's the Jacksonville game, and depending upon what Green Bay even has to play for in Week 17, there's a chance to be a 9-7 and football team. That's all possible. I bet a lot of money on it earlier this season that it would happen. I uh, have resigned myself to that money flying away out of my wallet. But what the hell? It could totally happen. It could totally happen. For now, the Bears are 6-7. and seven. They've kept themselves in the hunt. They've staved off embarrassment and uh, the criticisms of their professionalism and preparation for a week. Let's just see what happens next Sunday when we go to Minnesota and Kirk Cousins is on the other side of the line. Dalvin Cook is there, and we have a sort of like a super – it's not a toilet bowl, not a Super Bowl. It's a – the mediocre bowl, the me, the bokey bowl, the mediocre bowl, the um, yeah, it's not coming to me, guys. The milk toast bowl, uh, yeah, pretty much that. As it is now, I again, none of this washes away what's happened the last six weeks or the larger picture of the last couple of years, but it is something to enjoy and appreciate and. Look, whether it's Mitch's best game, cleanest game as a bear, no question about it. Whether it's David Montgomery outrunning the defense, whether it's holding down Deshaun Watson and not, not having to suffer through a uh, absolutely dominant performance by the guy that we all hope to see in, in a Bears uniform. Whether it's seven sacks by the defense and Khalil Mack, who's really racked with injuries, still finding a way. To, collect, to force and collect a fumble and to get a, a safety. Um, whether it's Cole Komet popping a little bit on offense, Jimmy Graham with a, a, you know, a, a jump catch in the end zone or a box out catch in the end zone, Allen Robinson with nine for a buck 23 and making the contested catch, everything went right today. And for the few things that didn't, that's football. There's going to be stuff that doesn't work out all the time. And if you look at any other team in the league, uh, even if it's Kansas City today, they did all kinds of things that weren't working. I think they had four turnovers, but their ability to come back from that and make superior plays means they ended up with a W. So this is about as complete as it gets in the NFL these days, and I'm not going to sit here harping on the things that went wrong. Um, let's just end it here. Bear down for next week against the Minnesota Vikings. For now, 36-7. Mitch is good. Deshaun is bad. Nagy is good. Romeo Cornell is uh, on his way to a retirement home. And, uh, yeah, I got nothing but but good vibes for all of it. So um, I'm just going to appreciate it for today. I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your Sunday. I hope you're all healthy uh, and safe in your bunkers. I hope uh, your winter uh, is is going well so far and that the fact that the sun is going down right now at 3 p.m. on the, the West Coast isn't a bummer at all. You're just going to stay warm and watch football and eat horrible things. And um, gosh, I really hope you can get to see your family too for the holidays if it's possible and if it's safe. So uh, stay safe, keep it up, and uh, we'll see you back here next week for a huge Bears game for the Milk Toast Bowl. Until then, I'm Zach. Bear down.
Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.